Welcome to the mikvah.org podcast. The mikvah organization has been dedicated to the education and resources for Jewish family life since 1975-5735. You can support our vital work at mikvah.org forward slash donate. Thank you for your support and enjoy today's recording. Good evening. My name is Sterna Altaus, and I'm a Kala teacher certified with mikvah.org. I'm also a counselor, and I teach in a local high school. It is a privilege to be here on this podcast for Hashgafa on Intimacy for Rosh Chaydesh Av. And I want to thank Rabbi Chaikin for looking through my notes and giving um, your personal Haskama and also adding in a few things, which I will reference shortly. And I also want to thank uh, Mrs. Sarma Raza for encouraging me to do this and for also checking through my information, the answers to the questions that I have, and for your insights as well. It is really a privilege to be here at this special time in Bain Hamitzarim. We're in the in-between stages between Shiva Asabratamas and Tisha B'Av. Hopefully Mashiach comes before then. And it's a very special opportune time being that we're trying to connect with HaKadosh Baruch Hu in a special time in this way to utilize this time to increase our efforts to review for Taras Mishpacha or to help another woman with uh, learning about Taras Mishpacha and encouraging our friends to do a Chazara. Uh, usually Rosh Chodesh Elul, we have a Chazara in our city in Australia and Sydney, and it's an opportune time for all of us to think about increasing our connection with our husbands and in coming up with Chodesh Elo, we have Ani Ladaidi Vidaidi Li. It's a really important time to look at our Taras Mishpacha and to see if we need to make any improvements or just to have a review would be an incredible segula, an incredible bracha, which the Rebbe requested that each uh, woman review once a year. So some of the questions came in through mikvah.org, which I'm going to answer. And I hope as is Hashem to answer them to the best of my knowledge and expertise and hope that the answers reach those who ask them in the right way. So again, thank you so much for sending in your questions. It's a really good initiative. And anyone who has any more questions going forward, please send them to mikvah.org. So the first question that came in is as follows. I'm a very huggy and kissy person, and I find the Dine Harchaka very difficult. Frankly, when I look around, I see that some people are not even careful with them in the first place. How important are they? And can you give me some insight how to make the Dine Harchaka more user-friendly? This is a great question. And firstly, I wanna validate how difficult this may be for you. And it is difficult for many couples. So you are very much a normal couple, especially a girl who's very touchy-feely, very tactile. It sounds like touch is one of your love languages and you're craving this touch from your husband at this time. And it would be very difficult during this time to contain it during the 12 days when you're not permitted to touch each other and to refrain from touching during the time that we need to incorporate Dineha would require extra strength and tenacity on your part and your husband who wants you to be happy. So I would like to acknowledge that and to give you chizok that you are trying to do better by acknowledging that it is hard and asking uh, how you can make it a little bit easier for you. 
So Rabbi Chaiken also gave some important points here. And it says in Chassidus that the bigger the Nisayan you have, the bigger the Neshama you have. Look at yourself. If Hashem gave you this Nisayan, you have special Kachas, and you are on a very high Madrega. That's how Derech HaChassidus looks at it. That you have great Kachas, and there's something really special that you have within you. A tremendous energy that you can overcome this challenge. It says in Chassidus that the first time you have to overcome a Yetzirah, it's the hardest. And once you do it, it gets easier. The Friedegarpa says that if a Yid decides in his or her heart very firmly, that this is how it has to be and no different, that today in our generation, it's not just dying on Kiddush Hashem, but living on Kiddush Hashem, living with a certain halacha. In the old days, it was a different type of Mesiris Nevesh. Today, living with the halachas and keeping the halachas properly, that no matter what, you are going to keep the halachas. This is the Mesiris Nevesh of today. And then when you decide that no matter what, you're going to do it with this Mesiris Nevesh, Hashem will give you the extra kaychas to be able to get through it. We see that people took upon themselves things that were challenging. You know, for example, when people stopped uh, smoking on Shabbos, for example, and they managed to keep at it and not smoke until after Shabbos when they quickly had to go and get their cigarette. The minute Shabbos was over, they ran to get it. But during Shabbos, it was something they made up. They didn't even have the urge to do it during Shabbos. The mind and the heart knew that they made it up. And so the same thing here, your mind and heart know that you are taking this on and you're making up your mind with certainty that no matter what, you are not going to fall and you're not going to be nechshal with Jine Hachaka, and that you are going on a Mesiris Nefesh here because this is challenging for you. And no matter what, you're not going to do it. Then the Taiva will go away and the Yitzhara will become less. Now, the idea about other people doing it, if you saw other people crossing the road on red light, or if a child, you're walking with your child and they see another adult doing the wrong thing, the child knows what's right and the child will do what's right because for his safety, he knows that that's what he has to do. Looking at what other people do is not on, you have to stay on your page. It's not on your page. You are responsible for your own safety and for your own keeping up with the halacha. And it is challenging to be different, right? Echad haya Avram, Avraham was different, but, and we have the kaychas to do it. Also, um, although it's difficult for you in this area, it's going to be so much more incredible on the other side of it by refraining now and keeping the harachakas properly and doing what's right, not only are you gonna get big brachas for keeping the harachakas, you're giving you and your husband a little bit of space so that you'll see that on the other end of it, you'll bring all this back, it will have so much more meaning. Sometimes as a couple, one partner might need a little bit more space and touch might be your love language, but it may be that your husband needs a bit more space to be an individual so he can come back to you even more present. Even if he doesn't need more space, when you take something away for a period of time, when you get it back, you'll appreciate it so much more and everything will be on such a greater level. For example, um, when you bring these back on the other end of it, after going to the mikvah, every kind of interaction will be so much more meaningful, more sensual, more powerful, and so much more enjoyable as both of you have missed each other so much doing this during this time. So it's uh, just very important to keep it in mind that I know this is very challenging for you and it is difficult for you, 
but maybe we can schedule in some time to have some means of connection. It's very important to try and increase the emotional connection, perhaps having a discussion or to connect intellectually, maybe to learn together or to do something different where there's no concept or need or feel to be physical, um, where you won't have the need to hug a fist. For example, intellectual intimacy, discussions about the future for the family, aesthetic intimacy, where you go to look at you know, a museum, or for example, you can enjoy a beautiful sunset, or perhaps working on a project together. And these kind of discussions you know, will really build a connection. Um, it seems that discussions of contentious issues would be difficult during this time for you because you're a very touchy-feely person. Um, on the other side of it, usually when you bring up a challenging issue, it's not very conducive to touching or hugging or having intimacy. So perhaps now it is a good time to bring up those challenging issues. And I would encourage you to get in the habit of date night every single week, whether needed or not. So you're getting the emotional intimacy that you crave covered. At least you'll have that warmth, the understanding, the connection, and maybe you could plan in advance to do something special together within the activities that are permitted to do now, plus some activities that you as a couple enjoy, but don't usually have the time for. It will make you as a couple feel connected to do something different, like perhaps going on an exercise walk. So you're getting the kinetic energy, your body is moving, which means that getting movement will give you that special feeling that you're moving, you're getting that energy out, but you're still spending quality time with him, maybe playing a game like Scrabble or something that would stimulate a different part of your brain, which you might actually enjoy. And unfortunately, even though other people are not currently positive role models for you and perhaps not keeping our chakras properly, it's wise to keep in mind what the Rebbe says about this. When we are close, when we should be far, then we'll be far when we should be close. Shalom bias and general well-being are enhanced when we keep the mitzvahs properly, even if dafka, it's hard. You're connected to something higher, to Hashem's wisdom, which is so necessary for us. Sometimes we don't realize the benefits immediately, and Hashem sees this and rewards this. And although there are many, many benefits, spiritual and physical, to keeping the mitzvah of Taras Mishpacha, ultimately it is a chayk, and we do it because Hashem told us, for our own good. So I wish you much hatzlacha in keeping strong in this mitzvah. It may be rewarded commiserate with the effort that it takes. Thank you for being open and honest about this topic. Question number two. Maybe this is a personal question, but I'm sure I speak for many women. Often I'm so excited for intimacy and my husband walks in the door from work and instead of greeting me and doing something nice and spending time to talk, he goes straight to his computer. And he has to first watch a certain show or get the sport scores. And only after an hour does he even come to the kitchen. And this leaves me very frustrated. I feel very distant. And then that night when it's time to do the mitzvah, I'm totally turned off and tuned out. Please help me. Wow, this is a very common question. One which many women have asked. I've asked many women how their husbands responded to their frustration. And for my research, it really is a simple solution, but challenging to implement in the beginning. I speak from experience when I say that it does take a priority shift, but it does work. Um, first of all, I'm gonna give a couple of suggestions. When a man comes in from work, he usually needs a few minutes to download, a few minutes to process, to debrief from his day, to change gears from work to home. Perhaps he's not feeling safe to have that short time to himself. 
So maybe you can discuss this at a relaxed time and come up with a ritual that you both agree on for his transition from work to home. Maybe instead of blaming him or getting annoyed or saying things that are not appropriate to him, you can say, when you come home, I need your attention for a few minutes and then you can relax. Or I was looking forward to seeing you all day and was so excited to hear your footsteps approaching. And then when you walked into the house and you went to your computer, it felt to me like your show is more important to me. And I'm sure that's not the case. Can we please discuss a better transition from work to home? Maybe you can have a conversation about it, not at the heat of the moment. It's not gonna work. It's not gonna have the desired effect, but at another time when he is well-fed and rested, schedule in the time and make a ritual that he does when he walks in. He comes, he finds you, he says, hello, how are you? Some small chat for a few minutes and either he can help you right then and there because that's what you need right then and there, or he can have a few minutes to chill and then when he's changed gears, he can come back into your space and be present. Um, alternatively, maybe he can leave work a few minutes earlier and get his 15 minute break in the car before he walks in. So he, she doesn't have to see him uh, relaxing in this way, but if it's so important for him to watch whatever he's doing and he won't give it up, let him have that time in the car before he walks into the door. And the moment he puts his hand on the doorknob, now he's in his wife's territory and he has to be present. Menschlich, relaxed, happy to see her. He should try to make her feel happy that he is excited as she is to see her. And he gives her whatever she needs from him, whether love, attention that she craves for a few minutes, a bit of help in the kitchen with the kids. And then it's like in the old days when I was living in New York more than 30 years ago, there was something called 1010 Wins Radio. And they said, you give us 10 minutes and we'll give you the world. I always tell my couples, give him the 10 minutes to unwind, to process, look through the mail. After of course saying hello to you, of course, and they'll be all yours for the rest of the evening. I hope that helps and Hatzlacha. Wow, question number three. I work in an office and there are many middle-aged Jewish non-observant women there. I'm not an official shlucha or anything and I've never taught anyone to ask mishpacha, but maybe I should broach the subject with some of the ladies. Do you have any tips and ideas? Yep, I totally understand this question. I've been in this situation before and this is a great question. And definitely, if there are some secular postmenopausal women who would like to go one last time, or it would be as man masuga, like their son or daughter are getting married and they want to go before the chuppah as a segula, it's a great opportunity to find simchas or maybe have a conversation where you can invite them for Shabbos. And during the meal, you can have some kitchen talk about how you would like to take her to the mikvah. Has she, has a, has she been to the mikvah before? what her experience was like at the mikvah, and it could be a one-to-one -one case and let her open up to you and offer her what you know and what you appreciate so much about the mikvah and the special brachas that the Rebbe tells us about a woman who goes post-menopause, the retroactive effect that it will have on the neshamas already born, and which woman wouldn't want to give as many brachas to her children already born and to her husband and family. Or alternatively, you can make a review on Kabbalah of the bedroom or intimacy. And that would interest a lot of people who think they have it all down pat and they don't. And in that space, you can bring up mikvah, either that way or one-on-one -on -one over coffee. Usually one woman will tell another. To borrow an expression from the Gemara, chavra de chavra isle. When they have a nice experience, they'll share it with their friends. But really you can ask anyone, not even at work. I once asked my hairdresser, who was an ex-Base Yaakov girl. She had finished 
Beisakov and she moved away and completely left Yiddishkeit. Um, and I literally had to force my words to come out of my mouth. And I asked her, she had just gotten married. I asked her, would you like to go to the mikvah? I know she wanted to get pregnant. And I explained to her that before getting pregnant for her child's pure neshama would be a special thing to go to the mikvah. And one mitzvah this girl always kept, despite leaving everything else behind, unfortunately, was negovaser, because she said it washes off the negative energy from the day before. And I validated and told her how beautiful it was that she did negovaser and explained how mikvah on a much greater level will remove tuma. And she agreed. And her mother, who's from, had asked her to go prior to her wedding. So now she had another person who cared and reached out. And I gave her some information on how to go. And I found out later that she did in fact come and Baruch Hashem, she went before she got pregnant. So you never know how your words will have an effect on someone. Um, the first lady that I had the courage to ask 20 years, 26 years ago was an eight and a half month pregnant lady. She hadn't gone after her wedding for all those years. And Baruch Hashem, she agreed to go. And today she is a mikvah attendant in the USA. I told her how special it would be for the baby to be born with Kedusha Vatara, and she agreed to go. Um, and that, in fact, led her whole family on a journey to becoming more and more connected to Yiddishkeit. And today they're a beautiful firm family. So it was very interesting. She went to the mikvah, and then eventually her husband asked us to purchase tefillin for him. And that was a beautiful story. And I was ultimately able to be at her daughter's wedding Baruch Hashem, the same girl that was in the tummy when she went to the mikvah. I, I was able, I was Zaycha to be at her wedding. Um, I wasn't planning to be at the time, but for different reasons, I had to go at a later stage in the year. And the day that I arrived in America was the day of her wedding, which I booked unknowingly. And then when I found out she was engaged, it was such a schus to be at my first mikvah ladies, the, the lady who I took to the mikvah at her daughter's wedding and her daughter actually said, thank you so much. Look at the pay rise today. She's married to a from boy and they were going on Kirov summer in the United States. Not Chabad, but still doing an incredible, incredible job. Another way would be to do a course on Jewish intimacy at your own home and invite those ladies there. And then you could bring up the mikvah and ask if anyone would like a follow-up. Definitely do take the opportunity to talk to these women and each one will give you more and more confidence to talk to more women. Take the plunge, ask one woman, and you'll see how powerful it is, and you will be on a roll. The Rebbe says it's mamish hatzalas nefashis. You are literally saving lives. And one of the greatest mitzvah we could do to bring Mashiach through mikvah. Um, I am happy to share a video that is currently now on mikvah.org from Rifki Slanim, which she made for our community in Sydney for our review. It's called One Last Time. We made it for our convention, as the Rebbe told me to do so via the Igris, and Rifki gave me permission to share it. It's on mikvah.org, which also has many resources, videos, and audio for you to watch for your own review, so you have the knowledge, so you come from a good vantage point, and to share with other women in your local community. Beautiful stories of mikvahs being built in challenging places, and women going with incredible Mesiras Nefesh and the miracles they brought about. And even some secular women talking about what mikvah means to them. There's a great video from Hani Krasinyansky's mikvah in Manhattan that's beautiful. And the women who used it to talk about their experiences. 
In addition, there's a booklet called Fast Track to Mikvah from mikvah.org that you can use. It was launched at the Kines HaShluchas or relaunched at the Kines HaShluchas last year. Baruch Shem, I was able to contribute some things to it and use some of the tips for uh, my Kalis, which worked for them, and you can incorporate them as well. These are tips for Kalis who may only go once at the stage, but you never know. Each mitzvah leads to other mitzvahs and they might, might inspire a friend or their daughter or their other relative. So thank you for bringing up this question. Okay, question number four. We learned in Kala classes that Friday night is so important to be intimate and such a special night to be intimate. But frankly, it's so late. I go to sleep so late. I'm so tired. And by the time you turn around, it's almost dawn in the summer. How important is it really? I don't get such a good taste as I'm so tired. This is a great question. And it is very important to try whenever possible, if we can, to be intimate Friday night, as it says in Rishis Chachma, about the holiness of husbands and wives having yichud, and the holiness of Friday night, and also the holiness of mikvah night. We know the special neshamas are drawn down. And when these holy nights come, mikvah night, Friday night, of course, the Satan is trying to make it harder for us. He's going to make every impediment in the way. Like the Alter Rebbe says, that when a person has kavana and davening, that's when the satan dafka comes and tries to bother them. When someone doesn't have kavana, then the etzara doesn't have to come bother them. The more holiness a person is trying to create, the more the satan is trying to block it from happening. So you should view it that it's something really, really special. And of course, there may be obstacles, but despite that, and in spite of it, try your best to make the shrina come down. We should try our best to tap into this the energy. It's also like Shalom Bayes on Friday afternoon. You know, the Satan tries to make a silly thing that would never have bothered you on Wednesday afternoon, Erev Shabbos Dafka, which is such a tricky time. And that's why we have to speak Balash and Raka, with soft words. And I know a woman who drinks a lot of water, Erev Shabbos, so she's in the middle of swallowing. She can't even answer. She just waits for the moment to pass. And then after candlelighting, she's in a good space and her husband's in a better space. So there's ways that we can you know, circumvent the satan. However, for whatever reason, if you can't get to that space and you feel like you're not up to it on a Friday night, maybe it's shayach to take one or two Shabbosim off that month and make it a special, easy, light Friday night. Maybe have guests Shabbos day instead of Friday night. Maybe have a good rest Friday afternoon so you're in a good headspace. But if that's not possible and it's always ending late and you're not going to be in the best headspace, Maybe possibly in this case, it's not the best time for you if you cannot manage it. If you're not being the best mood or you might be in a kvetchy mood, maybe it's better to schedule it at another time. Unless, of course, it's mikvah night. And then, of course, you will ensure that you would get a good rest and put in all your effort to be totally present and in a good headspace, a good frame of mind. But if you're going to be in a bad mood or resentful, then perhaps it's better to find another time. And if that doesn't work for you at all, you know, you have to make it work for you as a couple. There's no such thing as you have to if you're not going to be in a good headspace. However, of course, you can try whatever you can to put yourself in a good headspace. Of course, unless you know it is way too challenging for you or your husband. Maybe he's the one falling asleep. So we gave some Akiris of why Friday night is so special and why we need to try and do whatever we can to be present. And of course, if one cannot manage it, then perhaps they need to find a time that is more suitable. Question number five. I used to be careful to go to mikvah on time and I made extra effort to make it happen. 
even if it was inconvenient. But lately since COVID, when I had to delay mikvah because I was in quarantine and I couldn't go to the mikvah, I became very relaxed about it and came up with all types of excuses. Like when Friday night, there's a lot of company or an important community event and I don't wanna miss it. And slowly but surely I find I'm giving myself all kinds of excuses why I shouldn't go to the mikvah on time, why it's okay or justified to delay it. And whenever I ask my husband about it, he says, don't worry, it's fine. It's hard for you, go the next night. And he's fine with it. So if he's fine with it and I'm fine with it, how important is it to go to mikvah on time? This is really such an important question. It has such a high value. We place such a high premium on going to mikvah on time, tefillah bismana, as special neshamas come down. Yes, it's so much easier to find excuses once we've pushed it off. However, it's so important to make every effort to make ourselves present for mikvah on time. And we know special neshamas come to the mikvah, those who go to the mikvah on time. And I can share a couple of personal stories about going to the mikvah on time. Once very recently in COVID, I had COVID and I wasn't able to go to the mikvah and I had to title in the beach. And that was challenging, but Baruch Hashem had a good friend and we went together and it was a very, very, very meaningful experience despite challenges in finding the, the right tide and obviously with a rub's permission and with a lot of guidance from the rub going to the beach to villa was a very very interesting and meaningful experience i've done it once i'm not going to recommend it to do it uh if you have a beautiful open modern mikvah in your city but um i also had the situation on the night of my oldest daughter's bas mitzvah and I prepared to go to the mikvah. I took a bath and everything. Obviously, I had to wear my makeup and then take it all off. I arranged for a special person to take me to the mikvah later that night. And uh, to be honest, something very strange happened. We came to the mikvah and the lock was not opening. It wasn't budging. And it was just completely not opening. And both of us had gone to the mikvah and taken others. And we knew the code, but it just wasn't opening for us. And suddenly it began to rain and then began to pour. And the person with me said, maybe you go tomorrow night, just tell your husband, I'm sure he'll understand. And I said, no, nope. I've never missed Philip Bismarck. I'm not gonna miss it tonight. And I put in so much effort to be here. Let's try to climb the fence. But the woman was a little bit older and she couldn't manage it. So we ended up calling the mikvah woman who came, Baruch Hashem, she came that night in her pajamas and robe. She opened the door for us. It was incredible kindness of her. And Baruch Hashem, a very special neshama came down that night. My beautiful Baruch Hashem, my son, who's having bar mitzvah shortly. Um, it was Chaf Av that night. And he was born on, Chaf, sorry, it was Chaf Cheshven that night. And he was born on Chaf Av. So this coming month, how appropriate. I'm speaking about this uh, before Rosh Chedesh Av. And this special, beautiful son, Baruch Hashem, Leonara, he's having his bar mitzvah and he's a very, very special neshama. And he has taken special interest and has looked after this beautiful friend of his who is the grandson of the mikvah lady who opened the door. And there were some special challenges in this family that my son has absolutely looked after this boy like his own brother. And they are extremely close. And he looks after him like, like, an uncle, like just literally caring for him in a special way and making this boy always feel comfortable. And I always said, it's a schuss that this mikvah woman opened the door for me late that night. And here, my son, Baruch Hashem, is able to befriend and love and care for her grandchild in such a special way. Um, and actually on the day of my son's Hanachas Tfilin, this young boy had his birthday. So it's in, in beautiful, it's just 
unbelievable how we see the Hashgacha practice, how when you make a little bit of extra effort, special neshamas come down, special stories, and we persisted in the rain, and it was Mesiras Nefesh. So we want to have every extra day in Tahara. It's so easy to forget how nice it is on the other side after we've gone to the mikvah. Sometimes we forget because we've had the 12 days, you know, not being intimate. So we forget how beautiful. But yes, when we're not Tahar, it's easy to forget how nice it is. But yet we will appreciate it so much more every extra day we have together. And the concept of Tfilah Bismana and the Neshamas that come down, we learn from Chazal how important it is to go on time. And Dafka, when it's hard, the great Schos and the great Mesiris Nefesh. And there are many, many, many stories that you can actually hear on mikvah.org about miracle stories of women who went on time and special neshamas that came down and incredible miracles that happened to them. Uh, the biggest miracle stories we've heard from women who went on time, including the woman in Montreal who had to brave a huge snowstorm and the child that was born on that night ended up being a bone donor, a bone marrow donor to the child and her family where no one else was an exact match except the baby that was born from a mikvah that she went on time despite tremendous obstacles to getting there. We also know about the Magid of Mezrich and Rabbi Avram the Malach who was born because um, his mother went on time despite his father not being so well and all the, uh, the challenges when she had to go back a few times because every time she came out of the mikvah was an impure animal and Abraham the Malach was conceived on that night. There were people who had huge miracles in our times as in times of past. So um, every schus that we gain, you never know when you can use the schus. It's not worth to push it off. Obviously, if there's an emergency and it's out of your hands, speak to a Rav, speak to a Kala teacher, but try whatever you can. I once had a situation where I went to the mikvah and while I was at the mikvah, my husband fell off a ladder and he didn't tell me till after I came out. Baruch Hashem, I was tahar. I was able to help him. We went to the hospital and I was able to be there for him. You know, it, it just obviously helped him so much more because I was tahar. So you never know the schus that you bring down. And I also will share one other story before I end um, about, you know, also not pushing off mikvah with a badika, going to the Rav and asking for each and every extra day that we're pure can help bring down the shamas. And, um, you know, we really have to know that every badika that we do is, is a special bracha. And if we can challenge ourselves to show the Rav a question, if, even if we're not comfortable, it happened to me that when the Rav asked me to show him a badika on day five, because I thought that I was not getting a clean badika, um, and I was I was only able to get on day six, he challenged me, he said, no, I want you to bring me the day five, and ended up, I did the badika, but later on, I did the hafsiktara on day five, and later on, uh, when I was going to show him the shaila, because it, as I thought, it wasn't uh, exactly spotless, um, I saw him, and he asked me, "New, do you have the the hefsek to show me, and I had unfortunately thrown it away because later on I saw other spotting and I thought it was a problem. And the rub said, you are not the rub. Where is the cloth? And I had thrown it away somewhere in, in an appointment in the hospital with one of my children for to visit a doctor. And I remembered where it was. I remembered which bin. I drove back, even though it was late at night. And the rub said, look, it may not be there any longer. It's eight o'clock at night, maybe that they cleaned out the rubbish, but I went back and there was my envelope sitting on the second row. I brought it back to the Rav and Baruch Hashem, the next day, I showed the Rav all the Shilas. The Rav told me the next morning, it's kosher and you could go 
properly. And the interesting thing was that month for that mikvah, the last day was going to be on the trip in America. And if I would have missed that day, obviously it would have extended and I could have missed an opportunity that Baruch Hashem that month, I got pregnant with my daughter. So you never know. Take each day as a very, very crucial day. Don't push off the mikvah just because you think it's not a kosher badiko or just because you think that you can't make it. Call the Rav, ask the questions, and you might be very surprised on how beneficial it will be to you and your husband and the beautiful feelings that it will bring of extra kedusha to your family. We know that David Amalek put so much effort into getting women to going earlier. His hands were dirty with blood in order to make a woman tahar for her husband, right? Um, Hashem said he couldn't build the base of Mikdash because his hands had blood on it. So we learned that it's because he had to fight wars, but actually it's also because it was the blood of Nida. He was helping to matahar women. And that is something so special. We never push off mikvah. You'll be so much happier when you wake up the next morning and you and your husband didn't waste any moment of being intimate together. And there are always things that will come up on the day. The Satan will always try to outsmart us and bring a challenge, but we will push it away out of our mind and try to work it out as best as possible. So thank you so much for listening. It was a pleasure to read your important questions and I hope I've answered them to your satisfaction. And I encourage you to have a Chazara and even with your husband to have a Chazara and to encourage Tahara and Ami Sural, please reach out to your friends, to your fellow coworkers, and encourage them to have a Chazara or to learn about mikvah. Thank you so much. It was wonderful to be here. We hope you enjoyed today's recording. Please take a moment to leave a rating or a review to help others find the podcast. We welcome you to support our vital work at mikvah.org forward slash donate. For feedback, please email podcast at mikvah.org. Have a wonderful day. Thank you.